Support for America Made Easy and the following message come from Nuable Levitas, the transatlantic joint venture supporting ambitious SMEs was setting up in the United States. We help make entrepreneurs' lives easier by providing an operational solution for their U.S. expansion strategies so they can focus on driving revenue and doing what they got into business to do in the first place. Hello and welcome to the America Made Easy podcast, a bi-weekly show where we help international SMEs tackle the complexity of setting up and growing their business in the American market. I'm your host, Morgan Peerstore, and on today's episode, we are exploring recruitment and the status of the current job market in the United States. We will be discussing how culture and regulation impacts recruiting in the U.S., and how international firms can benefit from leveraging professional recruiting services as a part of their growth in the U.S. market. Today, I am joined by Alex Mazzotta, the Vice President for Recruiting, Marketing, Technology Services, and Professional Acceleration at Avidas. Alex comes from an international background in Venezuela, Brazil, and the Netherlands. After graduating from Colorado State University with a bachelor's degree in psychology, He began a career in talent acquisition that is still going strong 14 years later. Alex's passion is connecting eight players with employers through a process of discovery very similar to sales, where the connection has to be a win-win for both parties involved. Alex lives in Denver, Colorado. Hope you enjoy the show. Okay, welcome everyone back to the America Made Easy podcast. Today, I'm joined by Vice President for Recruiting, Marketing, technology services, professional acceleration. He wears many hats. Mr. Alex Mazzotta. Welcome, <laughs> Alex. Oh, thank you for having me. This is a pleasure. <laughs> we're so glad that you were able to join us to talk about the very exciting subject of recruiting. Because yes. uh, I think our, our international listeners have so many questions about getting the right team members in place. When you think about running a business, even if you've got a great product or you've got a great service. If you Mm -hmm. don't have the right people to sell it or deliver it, what are you left with? It's the most important product. Absolutely. It's what keeps people up at night, I think we often say. Um, But but maybe you could just kind of start us off by exploring some of the challenges that exist with recruiting broadly in the U.S. at the moment that might be unique to some of our listeners overseas. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, uh, um, you know, with my background, I've been in the staffing world for 14 years, and it's definitely... It's changed a lot, especially in the last five years. Um, I think it's a it's a situation where there isn't um, there there isn't enough talent to go around um, for these openings, right? So then um, people are just constantly um, fighting and pulling people from jobs. Uh, it's become a buyer's market if the buyer is the talent, right? Where they can kind of pick and choose. And not to mention that, uh, generationally speaking, I'm going to try to avoid using the word millennial over and over because that's just like, the, the generation that we that we have right now. Um, but obviously, with with the the world changing, where people were spending 20, 30 years with a company, uh, and now the average tenure is two and a half years uh, be, for people between the ages of 20 and 35, um, we have to change our optics and our paradigm around what it means uh, to hire somebody, uh, what it, what type of skills you're presenting, and why they may stick around or not and be okay with that sort of liquid uh, type of hire. Um, I don't know if that answers your question directly, but I would say it's just everybody's having a hard time finding talent. Yep, that sums it up quite well <laughs> indeed. Yes. Um, but I think what makes it you know, even more complicated for our listeners and for international companies looking to bring on team members in the U.S. is that there are perhaps some just cultural differences in 
obviously broadly culturally within the U.S., of course, but um, mm-hmm. specific perhaps to recruiting and, you know, the types of questions that you can you can ask and what's expected, you know, from from the talent that you're trying to recruit. Yeah, um, I think it, before I answer that question, I think we have to be a, may be made aware that we haven't been changing our recruiting style or the way that we that we interview for 20, 30 years. I think that's something that's going to keep coming up in this podcast is you have to challenge what you've built in the past. And the first thing that you have to challenge is the fact that you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> uh, we talk a lot about expertise. You know, Vitas Group is a company built by experts to help business owners um, do tasks that quite frankly, they don't have the time or expertise to do. And recruiting is absolutely one of those things. Most business owners are hiring uh, a handful of people a year. I would challenge anyone to do anything a handful of times a year and be good at it. Right. Uh, not to mention that the people that are inter- that you're interviewing uh, are only interviewing a handful of times in their career, right? So they're all, they're doing bits. You have somebody that doesn't know how to interview and somebody that doesn't know how to get a job coming together and then just sort of like, hmm, you know what really turned me off about this person was that one thing that they did, but they don't know that that's what's happening. So that's the first thing. Um, to answer your question about cultural differences, uh, I think uh, the U.S. market has a, a very different sort of labor profile than uh, than the U.K. Um, from like hours worked uh, to, to things that you expect people to do uh, to um, the way that compensation works and benefits packages. So being able to uh, get on the level with what U.S. candidates are expecting uh, and being able to present that without having that culture shock, I think it's uh, it's a good first start to if I was a person from outside looking into hiring the U.S. And as you said, you don't know what you don't know. And that's yeah. a lot of what Avidas is helping companies with is really, you know, trying to help them to be experts in everything because it's not realistic for them to be able to do that, especially, right. and this is a, a, a trending topic on the podcast, uh, with the federal system in the U.S. and having 50 states plus territories that are all unique from a regulatory perspective and um, from the nature of that industry that you might be recruiting within Mm -hmm. from even looking at, you know, uh, wage brackets and whatnot, the expectations that what you'd pay in one market, is going to be very different from another. Um, So it's absolutely something they shouldn't try to necessarily do themselves or they could end up stumbling perhaps. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a lot to do. And I'll be the first to say that I don't know all the different regulations. I mean, I lean a lot on our internal and external HR departments to tell me what I can and cannot do uh, when it comes to talking to candidates about their job and current employment situations. Is there anything, though, that you would say, um, either state or federal regulations from a recruiting perspective that might differ in the U.S. from an international market? Anything that stands out? Uh, I mean, I think something that's been sweeping the country lately on legislation is uh, salary conversations um, beyond the discriminatory. You know, you can't you can't discriminate based on race uh, and gender. And I don't want I don't want to say the obvious even because even though just because I see it as obvious doesn't mean that it is. Uh, but um, a lot of states are saying you cannot ask about salary. You can't ask previous salary. Salary history does not come into play uh, when it comes to hiring someone. Um, there's also, uh, some changes that are coming around hiring felons and things like that. People, um, that, uh, have a criminal past. Um, but, uh, those vary more state by state, but for me and for my recruiting team, we just completely took out the salary conversation. And that, uh, that doesn't mean you can't ask someone how much they want to make, how much they're looking to make, but you can't ask them what they're currently making or previous salary history. I would just recommend completely removing that. Mm-hmm. 
I think that's, that's a key point because, um, you know, having, having worked in a few different countries now and having looked at resumes, they vary wildly, um, mm-hmm. you know, things that are very common to um, ask during interviews or to have on resumes, you know, in Germany or in the United Kingdom, whether it be age or marital status um, or even having a photo on a resume yeah. would not be common at all in the U.S. No, no. And I think, you know, for even for from an American recruiting perspective, there's a lot of laws around uh, citizenship and what you can and cannot ask. Um, again, to me, the simple rule is, uh, you know, are you uh, are you, uh, you know, lawfully and legally able to work in this country? That's the only question that we ask. We don't say what type of, you know, do you have? Is it a green card? Is it a, a type of visa? Um, we don't ask. Gotcha. Important yeah. point to make. Yes. We've kind of alluded to the the size of the U.S. market. Um, you know, considering regional nuances, um, the differences in salaries, where where should a company even begin when thinking about negotiating salaries and how those differences might impact the recruiting process? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, you you want to uh, you want to stretch your dollar as much as possible when it comes to hiring someone. And you know, ten years ago, it's a different answer, but nowadays with with technology and remote working and people are uh, looking for opportunities to move people are f- easily and more uh, more easily moving around the country We've, we're relocating people all the time now uh, more so than before uh, and I think it is because it's easy to just say I'm going to go to Utah and work from you know work remotely and be able to afford a great house um, so I would say um, you know going back to that salary conversation there's benchmarking tools out there like salary.com and we use uh, pay scale reports that can help us build and that's actually a service that we provide is we we help clients understand what hiring somebody in New York for a salesperson versus hiring them in Idaho is going to cost and what the base package should look like versus commissions. Um, from my uh, limited experience working um, you know, with foreign countries looking to get in the United States, it seems like the, the conversation a lot of like full commission, fully commissioned roles uh, is really normal over there. Um, over here, it's becoming less and less so. Everybody's looking for um, some sort of base. Very rarely are you going to get somebody working for full commission. Um, but uh, I would say, you know, use resources so that you know what you can and should be affording in either in in, re- in different regions. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go to New York. You don't have to go to these big markets where you think like I have to be in California. I have to be in Florida. Um, you can almost get just as much if you go to the smaller markets and pay less. Yeah, and paying less, I think, is a key point here uh, because there are so many really interesting industry clusters across the U.S. where mm-hmm. you can be a, um, a big fish in a small pond, and mm-hmm. for an international company just starting up, that could give them perhaps the competitive advantage that they need um, when making a name for themselves in the marketplace. So, Absolutely. No, that's a great point. I feel like i got to raise my voice a little bit because it <laughs> sounds so deep. Uh, um but, uh, you know, I'll tell you, my, I had this experience. I, I worked in the tech space for, um, for 12, 13 years before I joined the Vitas Group. And I was there because you're sort of told that that's where the big margins are, right? That's where the competition is. That's where you're going to make a lot of money. And then I get to a Vitas Group, and we have this small to medium-sized business owner vibe where we're helping, you know, middle America or real America hire people. And we have been wildly successful, and we love finding people, you know, HVAC technicians and agronomy, you know, uh, and even like uh, cannabis cultivators, believe it or not. Um, and Alex is living in Denver, so he probably is recruiting a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, uh, it's been really, really fascinating because it's changed my perspective of what recruiting and if I was going to open a recruiting agency would be. Uh, so being, being a, a, a big fish in a smaller sort of 
middle hiring pond has been amazing. Um, so I would I would recommend companies look beyond the big cities. And when knowing how important talent is for the for the success of that of a company, you know, getting out on the right foot um, is so important. You don't want to waste time when you need that person on the ground quickly. And if you're developing, you know, a, a job posting and you're not putting it in the right places, and if you're not um, labeling the job appropriately or offering the right package. Um, you know, you might spend months looking for a person and you could have had them on, you know, much more quickly by using support um, with recruiting. Would you say mm -hmm. that's, that's true? Yeah, that's a lot of things. <laughs> that's a lot of layers. Uh, I think to unpack the first one is you, where do you post the job? Um, I would say you got to have more than one strategy. You got to, it has to be, um, you have to, you have to create as many roads as possible that lead back to you. So whether that's um, you know, social media, Facebook, uh, whether that's going, you know, if you're going on Indeed, 80, 85% of job searches uh, go through Indeed, uh, and they know it, and that's why they're expensive. <laughs> um, if, if it's any type of uh, white-collar uh, professional job, LinkedIn, um, I promise I'm not getting paid to say these things. <laughs> Um, but don't just, don't just pick one thing, right? I mean, I would even, even using Craigslist, uh, which is like our, our modern day newspaper, uh, digital newspaper. Now that's it's for the bank for your buck is going to be great. Cause you're going to pay 20, $30 to post a job. Um, but more importantly, uh, I think you, you said it, it's not just about where you post is what you say in that job. Don't use human resource documents to post a job online. Nobody wants to read that. Um, <laughs> make it fun. Make it exciting. Why should somebody come work for you? You have to understand that anybody that you want to hire is already being pulled uh, into two or three different jobs um, for two to three different companies. So what separates you from them? Uh, and I think this attitude of, well, you should come work here because we're the best and, and you should be grateful of that. It's not going to get you very far. Sure. Right? It's like this meeting of the minds for both of you. And I think that international companies coming in, um, they may not realize it, but they have a bit of an advantage with their unique culture. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to really set them apart and make them attractive to a potential employee. You know, I think on average, international firms you know, pay a higher salary and mm -hmm. perhaps have better benefits than many Americans would be expecting. Could you maybe speak to a little bit about what your, you know, uh, maybe an average business development person or, or someone would be looking for in terms of benefits in the U.S. and how that might differ from a company overseas? Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say that it's uh, foreign, you know, uh, people that are hiring internationally is very attractive uh, to Americans because, you know, not only, like you said, you, the wages could be higher, but you also get that trip to the UK every couple of years. Not too <laughs> bad. Uh, or Finland or Sweden or wherever. Um, you know, for the United States, the, the typical, uh, I, I guess, the average um, salesperson, I would say, is making a base between 60 and 80,000. Uh, and then with incentives and bonuses is definitely taking them over 100K. Uh, the, the cost of living um, has just keep, kept going up in the United States, regardless of where you are. Uh, and if you can sell a product, you are in high demand. Uh, so people are going to pay you pretty well. Um, I'm not, I don't know if I'm able to answer, to answer what that looks like overseas, although I do know that overseas they're more comfortable with creating sort of full commission, right? You bring me X amount and I'll give you a higher cut. Uh, but I'm not going to give you a guaranteed base or anything like that. But I also think that's that's more of a cultural differences of the things that are propping you up in other countries, uh, whether it's healthcare or education that are already guaranteed for you uh, versus over here it's not, um, right? So you, you talk about benefits, um, you know, healthcare isn't guaranteed here. Um, and I don't want to, like, unpack that <laughs> in this podcast. Let's talk about recruiting. Um, but, uh, 
Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't consultants and contractors in the United States, right? You have the, the W-2 versus the 1099 um, sort of employment type. Um, so there is ways to hire consultants and contractors that are going to be more commission-driven. Um, but people are looking for employers. People are looking for benefits. Mm -hmm. um, but again, if I was to call someone and say, what type of job are you looking for? I want to focus on what's important to them. Maybe they don't have a family. Maybe they're young and they don't, they don't feel like they need uh, a big benefits package or a 401k. They just want to have a, a, a fun job that they get to travel with. Um, it's all about who you're going after. Mm -hmm. I think you, you hit on a few key points for our listeners. Um, I think on average, we see that like a business development type of role in the U.S., the salary uh, might they. Uh, international companies might have a bit of sticker shock. I think on on average, um, mm -hmm. those roles demand a bit higher wage and base salary, and that's perhaps changed, as you said. Um, but also there are other, you know, kind of evens out in some ways because there isn't necessarily an expectation. Um, you know, in the U.S., there's an requirement that they are going to need to provide paternity or maternity leave. That mm -hmm. isn't um, you know, a, a requirement at the federal level in the United States, which is very different to, to most, um, you know, other, other markets internationally that we'd be considering. Um, so it's important to, to be sure to translate that and mm -hmm. uh, perhaps even to translate job titles, uh, job descriptions. And uh, there's so much nuance at a regional level, as, as you've mentioned. And um, again, it's a lot for a small business owner who's taking the huge step of coming to the U.S. market to try to think they can handle all themselves. Um, mm -hmm. You know, could you kind of just talk a little bit about what the process is if they're engaging, you know, a, a company to help them on the recruiting side? Yeah. What does that process look like? What does the relationship look like? And how do you make it easier for them to find the right person? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'll make one point on what you said before, before I answer that. I think not only are, do you not have to deal with paternity or maternity leave, you're also, um, it's a lot easier to separate employment. I think, um, you know, you talk about things like at will, uh, most states, if not all, I think Monta Montana can't be the only one. Uh, but uh, most states in this country are at will employment, which means that you can, as long as you're not severing the relationship, uh, because of something illegal, like discrimination, um, you don't have you don't need cause to get rid of an employee, uh, where I think it's a, a lot more difficult to do that overseas. Um, in the UK and everything like that. So back to um, back to the question that you had, why, what is the benefit of, of using a recruiting service? Um, I think it's, it's just like any other um, service in, in that we are the experts and we give you the time back because recruiting takes time, it takes expertise, and it takes resources. And of those three things, I would say time is the most valuable for the business owner because then they can focus on the business, but also resources, right? We are able to spend money um, on things like Indeed and having a great applicant tracking system so that we can have a great candidate experience from front from beginning to end uh, because when you are going after talent, you can't afford to be part-time. You have to be on the search all the time. And as soon as that talented person pops up, you need to sort of nurture uh, that person through the whole candidate experience. If you don't talk to your candidate daily, and I'm not, I'm not kidding. <laughs> it sounds, sounds like a lot, but we, we do what's called daily relocks, uh, where every day if there's a candidate that is involved in a hiring process, we just check in and say, hey, how are you? How's it going? And what's beautiful about that is that through the hiring process, you end up developing a relationship, and there's countless stories I can tell you that by the time somebody gets the job, you, you feel like you're just best friends with this person, uh, which is the whole point of hiring is making it human, right? Um, 
And then, you know, we could talk about this for a long time, but then there's the inbound, outbound aspect of recruiting. Most business owners are only able to do what's called inbound recruiting, which is posting a job and waiting for somebody to to show up, right? It's like casting a net uh, and trying to catch the fish. But how big is your net? Uh, Are you in the right river, right? Are you in the right pond? Um, We not only have the biggest net in the best rivers because we're able to pay for that, uh, but we also have what's called you know, outbound, we are able to uh, tap into passive and active job seekers, whether it's on LinkedIn, uh, by just saying, hey, I saw that you're doing exactly uh, what this person that wants to hire you um, uh, wants you to do. Could you consider making a move? Um, But also going into places like Monster and Dice and Career Builder uh, and spending, it's almost like sales, right? You're cold calling opportunity, and then that person picks up the phone and you try to win. Um, Business owners don't have the time to do that. They just don't. And because of that, they have to settle for a much smaller pool. Uh, and anytime you're hiring from a smaller pool of candidates, the chances of getting an A player uh, is very low. And someone who's going to stay on that you don't have to re-recruit right. six months later and go through that same headache again. Yes. Yeah. And, and the onus and the responsibility of this A player thriving in your business is still on you, right? The onboarding has to be tight. You, they, they have to have a plan. Um, you could you could spend all you want on on hiring the right person, but if you're not taking care of them the moment that they start, you're going to be doing it all over again. No yeah. pressure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, I think also imagining you know international companies and executives trying to do this from afar. You know, if they don't yet have a, an office here in the states, and this person's going to be working for them in the U.S. remotely, um, you know, time differences, cultural differences, having someone on their team to go through resumes, um, to really help be their eyes and ears on the ground mm-hmm. and be that first pool. Um, and, uh, to really, you know, kind of shake through this and, and get out the top candidates has to be incredibly helpful from a time perspective, mm-hmm. but also from quality and keeping them on in the long term. Yeah. We, we talk to them so you don't have to, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we, we obviously filter, um, we, we put you through a funnel. If you think about it like a sales lead, um, we, we filter all of the bad leads and give you the best leads possible so that, um, you know, you can book one trip, fly in, do three in-person interviews and hire the best one, um, instead of having to do it over and over and over. Um, yeah, we're just here to, to save you time and give you better people. Now for a quick break. This week's top tip for the U.S. market is brought to you by Allison Stewart Allen, co-author of Working with Americans, the first ever business manual exclusively about U.S. business culture. One of the top tips for working with Americans is uh, our sociability. Uh, We're an extrovert business culture. Uh, So, uh, you know, your American counterpart might suggest getting together, uh, meeting up for lunch. Uh, That might be an invitation that's quite specific where they want a date, or it might just be a general indicator that they actually really like you. Uh, So while it may be spontaneous, uh, it's a sincere uh, expectation that you will get together again at some point in the future, even if you don't have a calendar date agreed. Thanks, Allison. Our listeners can visit the book's website, workingwithamericans.com, to download two free chapters and claim a 20% discount on ordering the book until December 31st, 2020, with the code WWA20. And is that relationship, you know, between a recruitment firm um, and the the company? Is it is it a kind of one and done? Is do they have the opportunity to really form a partnership and and be able to easily pick up the phone and say, 
ah, you know, there's actually this other position I hadn't thought about. I mean, what are the options for developing a relationship with a recruiting firm? And, and what's the value of, of even having that relationship versus, um, you know, just as you need it, approaching them? What value is there? Yeah, I think the biggest value is trust. Um, hiring has so much to do with trust. You can only, uh, you, you can say, I need somebody that can do A, B, and C. But everybody here knows that's hire anyone. Um, just because you can do A, B, and C doesn't mean that you're the right fit. The better the relationship, the more you understand the cultural fit for this person. Um, you know, when I was at my last company, I had customers uh, that, that had, I had worked with for over 10 years. They didn't have to explain what they needed. They just said, hey, I need another, you know, I need another Morgan. Um, and I know exactly what that means. Or, or I can talk to somebody and say, hey, that person's a Vitas Group material, you know. That's, that's, I think, the biggest value in developing a relationship and a, a hiring pipeline plan with an agency um, or a service like ours. Yeah, and that, that hits on our theme of really having um, an extension of that company's team. Mm -hmm. they, they don't want the overhead of having, you know, um, in-house HR, full team, someone who's recruiting for them nonstop. Um, and so to be able to lean on a company like Avitas Group uh, to know them inside and out and mm -hmm. to really be an extension, I think, is valuable for these uh, international firms, which are trying to keep things lean anyways. You know, they mm -hmm. are taking a huge step for their company, a huge financial step for their company. Um, and being able to pick up the phone and say, I, I need someone just like the, the guy you helped me hire, you know, six months ago. Mm -hmm. I imagine that that must be, um, you know, a lot of happy clients when they can do that uh, rather than mm -hmm. having to recreate this relationship over and over again. Yeah, it takes a while to build. Uh, but you're right, we are an extension of their employee branding. You know, we when we when we call someone, we don't say, "Hey, we're a Vitas Group." Uh, you know, if I'm hiring for a, for a client, we don't spend a lot of time talking about a Vitas Group. We just say, "Hey, this is this is my company," but I'm really calling representing this other company. And have you heard of them? And our ability to pitch that company great to that um, to that candidate. I mean, again, I go back to selling. You have to sell a candidate on a job. Otherwise, if you're ho hum and you're like, "So what do you think?" Uh -huh, <laughs> they're not going to come over. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that's that's uh, really, really valuable for a, a business owner. And you talk about running lean and, and making a big investment. Most of the services that we provide from a recruiting perspective are at no cost until the right person is found, which I've always liked that contract um, because it's uh, you have to I'm asking you to trust me without having without really paying me yet. Mm -hmm. um, so your loss is zero unless I deliver exactly what you want. And then we typically guarantee it. We don't typically. We always guarantee it. <laughs> I'm careful with your language, right? Important distinction. <laughs> uh, yeah, if we like you, we guarantee it. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. We always do. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, you're making that call that this is the right person for you, and that's when that's when we would charge for our services. So. And I think you touched on something earlier with, you know, really headhunting. I mean, you can't just post a job um, in the U.S. at the moment, given the unemployment rate is 3.5%. Mm -hmm. We're basically at full employment. You can't post something on your website and think that someone's going to find you. Uh, mm -hmm. And that if they do, it's going to be the right person. And so it's really, um, you know, going out, being proactive, making those cold calls, making the sell for that company mm -hmm. and knowing how to sell it. Maybe they know how to sell their brand in the UK or in Germany or wherever company, you know, wherever they're located, but maybe selling it to an American audience. And we even perhaps to that particular region is mm -hmm. going to be unique. Um, so yeah. I, I trust there's a lot of value that one could bring there as well. Yeah, because, you know, the third the third side of inbound outbound recruiting is also networking. Um, it's identifying the people that are in that region and saying, who do you know? Who do you know? And that that takes time to build. And we curate those environments a lot. And the, the more that we work in a region, the better that we are. 
Uh, but um, that doesn't mean that we can't just pop in cold into a Bozeman, Montana and find a, a catering chef like that. You know, it's just it's it's unbelievable what's what you can accomplish when this is your full time job. And I think that's an important point as well. Um, if you could talk a little bit about, you know, being able to recruit across industries and the experience that you all have as a team, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, uh, someone might be thinking, well, I've, you know, uh, I'm working, you know, in, in food processing, you know, I'm working in entertainment, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to have that certainty that you understand the business uh, and you understand how to recruit within it, um, mm-hmm. which takes expertise, of course. Yeah, and I and I hope I can answer this directly. Um, but that's one of the myths that I think uh, people struggle with in in looking to recruit or looking to join, make a partnership with the recruiting agencies. They want to make sure that you're comfortable with their with their industry. Oh, what do you know about aerospace engineering? Sure, you've done electricians, but have you done HVAC? Um, you know, tell me the last time that you hired so and so in this market. And, it's, there's a lot of trust, but you're also not paying me to, to begin the search most of the time. But I say, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that I've hired, you know, uh, 100 aerospace engineers in Temecula, you know. Uh, but I can tell you that this is uh, our pedigree and people are people. Our ability to find people is exactly what we do, regardless of industry, um, whether it's even if it's niche. I mean, even internally at Avitas Group, you know, we have so many services that are pretty pretty niche, like dental, for example, and looking for dental people can be difficult and it can be niche. But we also, because of the resources that we have, um, we're able to go out and, um, you know, create a strong pipeline. So I'm not saying that um, we know everything, but I'm saying give us a shot Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, it's just looking for people. Absolutely. Yeah. I wanted to revisit something you said earlier. You touched on um, at will uh, Mm -hmm. firing, but there's also, you know, uh, at will uh, exists both on the employer side and the employee side, mm-hmm. um, which I think is not familiar to our international listeners. Could you talk a little bit more about the risk on both sides, but also the opportunity for that and, and what that environment looks like in the U.S.? Yeah, and you know, I'm not I'm not a lawyer, <laughs> and I'm not an HR person, so I want I almost want to read something off of Google. <laughs> but uh, you know, the, the the basis around at will employment uh, is that uh, the employee and the employer don't ha- don't owe anything to each other when it comes to severing that working relationship uh, as long as it's not because of an illegal situation like you're discriminating based on race and gender just because you have an at will uh, state doesn't mean that you can be like I'm firing you because of your sexual orientation you know and that's fine I'm not in trouble you're absolutely in trouble <laughs> uh, but um, it means that you don't have to create uh, for 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 previous um, laws where it wasn't at will, you had to show cause and you had to kind of create this timeline. Um, and there's still some states, including Montana, that still have that. Um, I still think that you should always show cause. You should always give feedback. Um, but it also means that employees don't have to give you two weeks notices, right? It's more of a courtesy. Uh, they could just show up tomorrow and say, today's my last day, if they even show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, what I think... What I think is good about that is that it kind of has this fluidity and this contract between the two people that are saying like, hey, I'm going to do the right thing because it's it's part of my work ethic, uh, but you're not bound legally to do so. But it's important because um, it's not necessarily the wild, wild west. You know, I think mm-hmm. that a lot of these international firms think, you know, how can you operate in an environment where someone can just not show up the next day? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, on their side as the employer, it gives flexibility, but you have to show cause. Uh, but it also gives your employees flexibility. And that means culture. Uh, that means, you know, distinguishing yourself and being sure that your employees, um, you know, like their job, but also like the company and, mm-hmm. and conveying that 
uh, as you recruit them from the beginning, makes uh, it's all the more important, uh, yeah. I would think. Yeah, it's almost like a free market, you yeah. know, versus, I mean, we're talking private sector because um, public definitely has different <laughs> different things. So, you know, speaking further to the kind of flexibility to try before you buy and mm-hmm. um, you know, the guarantees on recruiting someone and then being the right person, and what does that look like when working with a recruiting agency? Yeah, uh, great question. So there's, there's um, a, a couple of different ways to engage with a recruiting agency, but the most popular one, you know, if you had like a a pie chart um, of where staffing agencies play, 80% of that comes from what's called a contract to hire model or attempt to hire model, um, it, which I really like. And I think the, the I'll explain it in a second here, but I think that the paradigm around it before was that people didn't want to work in a situation where they, they wouldn't have a job at the end of the, of the line. Um, and that's why some people shied from contract to hire. But effectively, the contract to hire um, business model or idea says, you know, we will go out and not only find this person for you, so we'll do all of the vetting uh, and the research and the identification, uh, but this employee will actually be part of our payroll. We will take on the burden of employing this person. And if you're uh, from overseas and you may not know the burden of hiring an employee and you've got Social Security and you've got unemployment taxes and everything like that, um, we take that on and then we charge you a flat hourly fee uh, that includes all those things. Uh, and if for some reason you were to sever the relationship with that employee during that contract period, which is typically about six months, you don't have to deal with anything with unemployment. If there's a work comp, work comp claim, we deal with it. Um, so it's almost like you are, I don't want to use the word wiping your hands clean, but I just did. But it's almost like you don't, you don't have to be responsible for anything other than making sure this person has clear direction, uh, you know, clear management and doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, but where a lot of headhunting agencies will charge you an, a big upfront fee and maybe guarantee that person for 30 days. Uh, and then if you let that person go, that person was always your employee. So you have to deal with the unemployment pieces. Um, in contract to hire models, you don't. Um, and it's spread out over six months and you pay as you go. You're not paying an upfront fee. If this person is working 40 hours, you're paying 40 hours. Um, so obviously it's typically going to be in the long run, maybe a little bit more than that upfront fee, but you're spreading it over six months and you're getting a lot longer guarantee. Interesting. So a little bit more flexibility, um, but really as much control or as little control as company would want in the recruiting process, it seems that they they have those options. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a liquid workforce situation. You know, if you're doing a project and you need to hire 15 people, um, you can also do, um, you hire an agency to help you with that contracting piece and then they deal with on offboarding those people at the end of the project, right? Mm-hmm. I wonder, Alex, if you could, you know, reflect on any of our international clients that you've helped on the recruiting side that maybe has stuck with you or illustrates why our listeners should really think carefully about the topic of recruiting. Um, I mean, our our experiences working with international clients has been uh, really smooth. There hasn't been uh, one of those like, man, we really we really saved the, their bacon in that moment. Uh, but, um, no, I think uh, what's been really helpful in, in the international engagements that we've had is just how scary it seems to the to the company that's working with us, uh, because it, to them it's just this, like, faraway place with laws that they don't understand and rules that they don't understand, and they can't be there to touch it and feel it. And the fact that we feel so comfortable to say, oh, no, like, this is, you know, this is what onboarding is going to look like when we hire this person. We'll make sure that their I-9 is, uh, you know, is, is verified in person. We'll make sure that all these ducks are in a row so that you're protected legally. Um, and then we'll make sure that, that their payroll is met 
in these schedules, and it's never going to be missed. Um, because when it comes to having a contract to hire relationship with an employee, it's all about making sure they get paid. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, just the fact that they can turn on that machine uh, and and then not have to worry about it because we've got their back and we're, we're, we're checking in with the candidates all the time because we have to talk to them about making sure that they're putting in their hours for the payroll, uh, making sure that they're doing okay. We, it's, it's like an extension without having to think about it. Yeah, another theme of the podcast for That's sure, right. having that support. Well, unfortunately, we're approaching the end of this week's episode, mm. which means it's time for America Made Easy's Wide Words, Wise Words segment. Yes. Um, so we would invite you, you know, is there anything we haven't touched on? Any final thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners with? <laughs> is there like a theme music like, wise words? <laughs> well, we'll play that over. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good right. idea. <laughs> I like that. Um, I think, uh, you know, I, I already said it earlier, but I'll say it again. You have to make sure that your candidate experience is, is locked tight. Um, from the moment that you are receiving that resume, because most of the time you're just going to be dealing with that inbound recruiting that we talked about where you just post a job and you get people. Make sure that the moment that you get that resume that you are holding their hand and taking care of that person because you're, you're making a hire that could be your most important hire for the next 10 years maybe. Um, so you want to start it on the right foot, but it doesn't stop once they sign the offer letter. Your onboarding has to be good. Your check-ins have to be good. Um, so just focus on that. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, Alex, this has been a really fun conversation as Thank always. Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, our listeners are very happy that we've shared all this detail with them on recruiting. So yeah, thanks very much. Thank you. You've been listening to the America Made Easy podcast with me, Morgan Pierstorff. My guest this week was Alex Mazota. This podcast is produced and edited by Morgan Pierstorff and Rob Eastman in partnership with Newable Vitas. You'll find links to more information on this week's episode and how America Made Easy can help your business in the notes section of this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and introduce a friend. You can also write to us at americamadeeasy at newable.co.uk. Thanks for listening.